play a video to set this morning up. About three months ago, I had the privilege of being in the boys' house of Transformation Ministries, and, uh, and we watched the whole Chosen series with the residents there and, and got to minister into this. And this, this, this part of this video captured my heart. And, uh, you know, I spoke recently at a conference uh, around a notion of Scripture, a passage, in fact, Matthew 4, verses 9 to 11. Uh, and the title of that message was Blueprints to the Kingdom. And I believe whenever you're looking for answers in anything, that Jesus is the place that you'll find them. Uh, even at times where we don't know why and we've got questions and we've got discouragements, maybe when there seems like things are out of whack, when we're singing songs that don't seem to line up with the things that we're declaring, with the realities and the truths that we're seeing. But one thing I know that Jesus always said, never give up, continue to press forward, continue to strain forward. So as we set the pace for this morning, I want you to check out the big screen. Have a look, guys, would you play that video, please? You know, as I saw this and, uh, and even searched through for the biblical narrative word for word, I couldn't actually find it, but you can read time and time again of accounts uh, that took place in and around and the biblical reference of Jacob's well, so we know it's factual and we'll go to some scripture in just a few moments. But I want to preach to you this morning for the time that we have left and the title of, Despite the Circumstances, I Will. Like literally that, despite the circumstances, I will, I, I want to just be very transparent with you. This was not a Friday sermon after we heard some news from our friend, my mentor, one of my good mates, Pastor Steve. This is something that God started downloading when Hayden uh, Whitworth came and spoke to us last week. See, he spoke and he gave us a blueprint for the simplicity of what the church should look like. And if you would remember, there were the three circles. There was the one at the top with Jesus. Uh, our focus and our center should always be Jesus. Do you agree with me? The outworking, the third circle, outworking of the church, in other words, it's not just about gathering on a Sunday, if we're just doing that, singing songs and then going, walking away, not believing in the power, not activating the power, then, I don't know, it becomes religion. But then there was that circle, and there was another circle that was unity, and he married them all together and said, when these three come in perfect harmony, we have the ability to actually impact the world. Once again, and excuse the analogy, but not just be like Sunday Christians. And I thought about it, and as I was sitting there, I heard this quote that he wrote, or Julie Roy's wrote, actually. He put it up on the screen. Politics is downstream of culture, but the culture and the health is set by the church, dependent on the health of the sickness of the church. And in that moment, I felt like I was quickened in my spirit, and I wrote these notes on that Sunday while Hayden was preaching, although I was still listening. But I want to speak to someone today, and I want to remind you, why am I even talking about this? Uh, the point is, despite the circumstances, we should not quit. Uh, we need to not step back. We need to declare. We need to shout. We need to stand up. We need to be louder. We need to be prouder. We need to be bolder. We need to lay more hands on when we don't have the answers. Backing back, stepping back, becoming fearful and intimidated is not an option. Why is this so important? The scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Sometimes we need to activate our faith by simply declaring the things that we believe. And I want to tell you that if you're someone that's living in discipline, discouragement or or, or or as Jordan said maybe you're just in a place of you just you don't feel very well I want to tell you the opposite to that is to actually speak against it to speak faith to speak truth so what are we going to do today we're going to declare and would you say this with me despite the circumstances I will see I don't and I can't pretend to fill in your blank there are people our family presence church we're grieving at the moment 
But I know that there's people in this room that you're facing discouragement. And even in the narrative that we just saw, it's interesting that Jacob was there trying to build a well and God's miracle was just around the corner. But in the face of another person, discouragement came that could have easily thrown him off course. He could have easily turned around and said, hey boys, pack up, there's nothing here. But he was persistent because he stood on the faith and the belief of who his God was. And I love his response. When the gentleman asked him, what's the story with your God? And he said, sometimes the answer takes generations. See, I don't know what the narrative looks like. I don't know what the blank is for I will for you. Maybe it's I will shout. Maybe someone in this room, you need to praise again. Someone in this room, you need to hold on. You need to press in again. Someone in this room needs to make a decision. I'm not going to stop gathering. You're watching online now. I want to tell you, COVID is over. As of Tuesday, you can come back to church. It's time to get out of the box of fear. You need to step back into church. I will keep gathering. Someone else in this place needs to say, I will seek fresh vision for 2021. Someone else in this room, I I will not wait on other people. I'm going to push forward. Someone else in this room, I'm going to choose not to be discouraged. I'm going to push forward and encourage myself. Someone else in this room needs to make a decision. You know what? I'm taking my hands off and I'm going to be still and know that he's still God. Someone else in this room maybe needs to make a decision. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm going to trust in the Lord and acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. Someone else in this room needs to make a decision that, you know what? Uh, I've done all I can to stand, but you know what? I'm just going to stand. I don't know what that narrative, I don't know what that blank spot looks for you this morning, but I just feel the Spirit of God wanting to impose this on you. He's a gentleman, but you need to receive it this morning. Despite the circumstances, I will. What is it for you? Why is this a big deal? See, disappointment alone is not enough to deviate, separate you from the call and the plan that God has for you. But I truly believe, and in my notes I wrote this, Disappointment is not enough to deviate us or separate us from God's plans and purposes. However, disappointment or discouragement unresolved can deviate us away from faith and intimacy in the person of Jesus. Today, my heart, my agenda is to remind you that God is good. And that His promises are yes and amen. Even if we don't see it in this generation, holding on to the faith will impact another generation. And another generation, and we'll get to there, coming back to the scripture at hand looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 9 to 11. Uh, To be transparent, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I think it draws out just a beautiful narrative. And to set the scene for what I'm about to read, we have to understand Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ. His name wasn't Jesus Christ. He was the Christ. He was the Son of God. His name is Jesus. Uh, He has just approached John the Baptist. uh, And John is baptizing for the repentance of sins. He declares to the community around him, he says, there is coming a time where one will come whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie. And and, and though I baptize for repentance, he baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. And then this Jesus arrives on the scene and he comes and John says, hey, I'm not worthy. And, And Jesus says, hey, it is fitting, it is right, it is appropriate that we fulfill this. And at that moment, Jesus is baptized under the water and the scripture says, I love it, the first time I see in the New Testament, the Bible says that there was an open heaven. And as the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit that looked like a dove came and a lid on him. It, 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 it came and was with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus has just re- received the Spirit of God. 
in a tangible, visual way that we see in the Bible through an open heaven. And then it's interesting because as Jordan said, he's led away and tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He comes out of the wilderness and how many of you know after 40 days and 40 nights, you're craving like a double quarter pounder combo. You're not going single, you're going double, large fries, Big Mac all the way. I'm joking, this is 2020. But, but if that was me, I would be like that. But Jesus comes out, so the first thing that he gets faced with is the devil. How many of you know that usually the two points of the time you've had the greatest amount or time of intimacy or acknowledgement with God usually comes with the greatest amount of testing? Or if you're in a place of weakness and lack, it always seems like there's just more. It's like, when is this battle going to end? When are they going to stop kicking me? When is everything going to come against me? I want to tell you that Jesus actually gives us a blueprint to how to move forward in these situations. Whether right now it's discouragement of people, whether right now you haven't seen answers to prayer, whether right now you're, you're just wondering what's going on with my business, what's going on with my marriage. I want to tell you, despite the circumstances, if you would make a decision this morning that I will push in, that I will shout, that I will not give up, that I will lean in, that I'm going to take everything that the devil tried to use against me, I'm going to turn it for good. Come on, there needs to be an activation. It can't just be something that we sing and declare. Sorry, I'm yelling. But in Matthew chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, the words that we read is the last act of temptation, if you will, by the devil before he flees. These are the words, all of these kingdoms, the devil said to him, I will give to you. The accuser said, if only you will kneel down before me and worship me. But Jesus said, go away, enemy. For the scripture says, kneel before the Lord your God and worship him only. At once the accuser left him and the angel suddenly gathered around Jesus to minister to his needs. Remember this morning, we're choosing despite the circumstances, we will. I don't know what it is for you, I hope you're getting it within your heart. The first thought that I have coming off the back of this scripture, the first thing that I see Jesus do, and again the title of a message that, that, that the scripture just keeps coming alive to me in so many different ways is blueprints to the kingdom. If you want to know how to live a lifestyle, godly, pleasing of Jesus, and walking close in intimacy, you need to just look at this scripture. The first thing Jesus does, when the devil came at him and said, hey, I'm going to give you the wealth of the land, I'm going to give you rule and ownership, Jesus made a decision to choose a different pathway. It's written here, you need to choose the right door. There will always be temptations. If the devil can't distract you, he will try to discourage you. In 2 Corinthians verses 12 to 9, the Apostle Paul, most of you in this room would know that he was a murderer of Christians. He was religious in his own right. He, he came against, he persecuted the body of Christ. But he had a divine encounter with Jesus, with the Spirit of God. The Bible says he went away and he spent years and years and years and the revelation, I believe it's in Galatians, he talks and lays down a blueprint for his understanding of the gospel message, not taught by man, but taught and revealed through revelation of God. And he says, as I received this revelation, and that's what we read right now, it, it, it's what he penned and it's what we stand on in our faith. But Paul is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in this passage, he's, he's laying out for the Corinthian church who are he's sort of saying at this particular point in history, they've gone through a lot of persecution, a lot of struggles, a lot of trials. And what Paul says is, hey, like if I should boast and I want to tell you about all the persecution I've had for Jesus, he says, I'm not going to do it in my own strength. 
but I'm actually going to boast about God and give God the glory. And he talks about how he's been through uh, the, the whipping of the cat of nine tails or lashes or whatever you call it. He's been lowered out of buildings. He's been shipwrecked. He's had all sorts of persecution come against him. And then we get to verse 12 and he starts to explain his vision. He has this revelation of heaven. And going down to verse 7, I want to pick up in verse 9, but in verse 7, he says this, and I'm reading from the Amplified, because of the surpassing greatness and the extraordinary nature of the revelations, this, 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 this visitation he had, and the Amplified says, which I received from God. For this reason, to keep me from thinking of myself, another version says, to be conceited, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment and harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. Verse 8, concerning this, I pleaded the Lord three times that he would leave me, that it would leave me, excuse me. But he said to me in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, for I will all times, at all times, more gladly boast in the weakness that I have so that the power of Christ may be completely enfold me and it would dwell in me. You know, I read through the scripture and in the context of where we're going, Jesus gives us a blueprint how to overcome the attack, how to overcome discouragement. The first thing he says is you need to resist the temptation that comes from the devil. I need to tell someone in this room today that the devil's not every person that comes against you. The devil's not every circumstance that comes against you. The devil's not even in your emotions causing you to feel bad or feel sad or feel anything else. But where the devil gets a foothold in our life is where we give him the credit. Oh man, they're from the devil. Oh, the, she's Jezebel. No, no, that's just a girl walking from the beach and she's got a bikini and a surfboard and you live in surfer's paradise. <laughs> like, like, no, that's not. But the moment you start giving that credibility, you're starting to say, hey, there's something before me. There's something before me, which then takes your awareness off of the things of God, uh, unless you're changing the dynamic. It, see, what Paul is saying here, he's talking about uh, this narrative of he's going through persecution because he's received such a divine revelation. I want to tell you in this room that if you're close and walking with God, there will always be attacks that come against you, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's interesting, as I read through this, we studied it out at Bible college. Thank you, Lord, for Bible college. We tried to find out, okay, what's Paul talking about? Like, is Paul sick like Timothy? Does he need a little bit of wine for his stomach? What's the scenario here? But that's not the case. If we were to break this down, Paul is asking God to cause the thorn in his flesh to depart from him. The word that Paul uses here, cause this to depart from me, is fistomy. Can't say that three times. It's fistomy. This word in the context of the Greek carries with it a rule that the word is only ever used when it's referred to people rather than things. This amplifies the fact that Paul wasn't praying for freedom from the problem or the sickness that he was facing. He was praying for freedom from the problem of the people that were around him. You could take it literally that he was saying, God, I don't want to deal with these people anymore. Please remove them out of my life. We know later Paul talks about the steel worker or, or the silversmith that came against him and gave him great harm. Paul faced persecution. Paul knew what it was to live in a world where other people had opposing ideas and views. See, why God couldn't answer this, I truly believe. The prayer that Paul prayed, take it away, is simply because if Paul 
was removed from the people, the next day, all the people were removed from Paul, Paul would just have another group of people that had another problem. And if he didn't deal with his issue with people, then tomorrow he would have the same problem. But I love what God's response was. His response was, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That word sufficient is to give protection, power, and help. You know, I think sometimes we miss the sufficiency of God because we're so focused on the problem rather than Jesus. Because Jesus put it to him. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't say, hey, I'm making you choose me and you have to do this and this is all about me. He said, no, no, hey, if you just turn this way, just become aware of the proximity of my face. Know that I'm close, that, that in that moment there is a sufficiency that will be there for you. Sufficiency, power, help, and grace that helps you to overcome the very problem that you're facing. Sufficiency, give protection, power, and help. It was as though God said to Paul, as he is saying to us today, my grace is more than enough to protect you, to help you in dealing with your problems and the people that you encounter in your life. You will find that my grace is completely satisfactory in meeting your need and that it will make you sufficiently strong to deal with the situations you face on a day-to-day basis. You know, I think we could take one more word out of this, and it all means so much, and I'm not trying to take it out, I'm trying to expose a deeper perspective of what Paul was facing as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as someone that was trying to spread the gospel, not just on a Sunday, but he was going into all the world, and he wanted unity, and his focus was Jesus. He just faced the same problems that we face. And if we were all to be honest in this room, Apart from sickness, the next greatest struggle that we face comes from other people. If we took all the people away, we'd be pretty lonely, but we'd kind of have no problems. But that's never going to happen, so we need to get on with it. Understand that His, his grace and His strength is sufficient. It's funny because one word uses this word strength, another translation, I think is the NRV, uses the word power. Nonetheless, it all comes out of the same derivative, if that's the right word. It comes from the same direction as Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where, where Jesus said, go and wait for the gift my Father has promised. He's talking about the power that comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. That word power there in Acts chapter 1, where the Holy Spirit baptizes the dunamis power of God. So when God responds to Paul and said, my grace is sufficient, this is the second time around, my lips are drying up, my strength is, is enough, what he's actually saying is the dunamis power of God, all of heaven is coming to help you. But the answer is we need to not give in to the kingdoms that the devil is putting in front of us, even the opposing truths that the devil is putting in front of us, and even just our emotions that are around us, and we need to pursue God. The first thought that I have from that, as I shared with you, is we need to choose the right door. Most of us would know in this room what Revelation says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, it's a choice for us today. Are we going to choose the door of Jesus? Are we going to choose the door of grace? Are we going to walk on a daily basis aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit? I don't know who you are in this room, but someone in this room needs to just make a decision. Despite the circumstances, I will. The second thing that I see in the scripture, in the second passage that we just read, is Jesus says, don't worship the devil, but kneel before the Lord. You only have to make a decision to worship. You know, it's interesting. I love that song, God Send Revival. Lord, send it now. 
In fact, if you were at my house yesterday morning, pre-three-year-old party, you would have heard the speaker and, and you would have heard that song and you would have heard other songs. But I think sometimes we complicate the narrative of what worship is meant to look like to suggest that it should be like three clap songs and two praise songs. Like that's the formula we've adopted as the church. And that's beautiful because I love it. But if you think that that's the only form of worship and maybe you're like me and your wife tells you you can't sing, then you could be discouraged and you could think, well, okay, that's worship. How am I meant to worship? You know, when I look through the scriptures, I actually see a different form of what worship looks like. And I'm not trying to take away. I love this. This is amazing. Lee's doing a brilliant job, an amazing worship team. But when I look through the scripture, some things that I see that actually I think constitute a worship because essentially worship is setting your attention on Him. And whatever that looks like, when I look through the Scripture, you know, when I look and think about worship, worship to me is when Moses was wandering around in the wilderness. He was a bit lost, he was a bit broken, he'd lived in the wealth of the land, he'd been in the highest reigning uh, community of Egypt, he, he, he'd had power, but he realized that that wasn't enough, and Moses' first act of worship was actually to turn to God in a burning bush. In other words, Moses gave his attention. When I think about worship, I think about uh, Noah. He trusted God with just the minimal measurements to build a boat when fishing wasn't even a cool thing. Uh, when I think about worship, I think about Enoch. He just made a decision, I'm going to walk with God. Jacob wrestled God. That was worship. Uh, Joseph never gave up on God. Daniel stayed faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they trusted God. Joshua had courage and stayed in the presence when everyone else left. Gideon was willing. David danced. Sarah dared. Hannah sung. Rahab entertained. Stephen spoke up. And Mary never gave up. Philip trusted, I want to ask you, what are you setting your attention on? On him or the discouragement or the problem? I'm not trying to undermine, we all need to grieve in this place. But there's a point where we may need to make a decision despite the circumstances. I'm going to stand on the foundation that's been set before me and I'm going to choose that I will push forward that I will not give up, that I will continue to gather, that I will shout all the more louder, that I will declare that Jesus is my God and He is more than able. The last thought that I have is Jesus, in this narrative, He essentially, despite the circumstances, He could, could be described as He said, I will resist the devil. Despite the circumstance, I will worship God. And despite the circumstances, I believe that God will come through for me. It's almost challenging for me to say if I'm being very transparent. Because for the last five months, we've prayed prayers and we've asked things to the point where we don't know what prayers to pray anymore. We just go into tongues. We didn't see the fruit. But then I remind myself of what I heard in that video and what I see through the Bible of decisions that were made by generations that went before us. And now the foundations that we stand on because of those decisions and I think, you know what, even when we don't understand it, when we choose despite the circumstances, I will push forward. Those are the decisions that the people, whether they've passed or whether they've gone or even generations before us have made. And that's enabled us to stand in a city called Surfers Paradise and preach the gospel or still go into the schools and share the gospel. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I want to tell you today, if you make a decision that despite your circumstances, I will. Whatever it is for you, you may not see the answer for the I will in this generation, but I want to tell you that it's there. The 
It's interesting that Jesus, he resisted the devil. He worshipped God. And the Bible says suddenly the angels came and they started to minister to him. There was a point we were here at a conference. We're in our blessing. This man was in town. In fact, there were lines going out the church all the way down when he was here. I was in transformations and, and I was trying to give up smoking at that time. If you're new here, I've got a testimony. I'll tell you later. I, th- I, I, w- I was kind of amused, like time out. I was kind of amused when Jordan got up here and he's standing there and he's got live tattooed onto his fingers. And I think life, on the other hand, and like if you came here and just visited, you'd be like, I'm really in surfer's paradise now. Like MC's tattooed, pastor's tattooed. Hey, God is graceful, amen? <laughs> and here's my thought. I, I was there and I think I'd responded to the altar call. I thought to myself, I'm giving up smoking that Sunday night, get back to the house. We're living with about 15 residents in this rehabilitation, leadership, discipleship program. And, and I'm probably on my fifth time round trying to graduate transformations. And, and, and I'm standing there. And, and then, like, we went for the morning walk. Uh, and as we crossed over from Canes Ave onto the Gold Coast Highway just down by Monaco Street, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm in like conference hangover mode, like, like aware of the presence, I'm giving up smoking today, like we're going to the beach for a walk, life was bliss. And then two of the residents that were standing next to me as we crossed into the road, the rest were back, they stepped back and by the time I looked down, all I saw was a quarter panel coming at me and the girl was going about 60 or 70k and she'd been partying all night in Surfer's Paradise and she did some weird thing, I don't know, long story short, she hit me. She hit me that hard, the thongs that I was wearing, literally were still in the spot where I was standing, but she hit me, I've still got scars all up my legs, and she swept out, my little funny second toe was like bent funny. I should have got a bigger payout just for that, I'm suffering. But, but, but here's the deal, she hit me so hard that my thongs just swept out, stayed in the same spot, but as I went up in the air, I did like a cartwheel. On the opposite side of the road, coming down First Ave, or Keynes Ave, or, or Wharf Road, whatever it was, uh, there was a doctor, and the doctor said, as I was lying there, and the, I said to the boys, I'm like, pray for me, and they're all praying in tongues. You can imagine, like, a rehab full of guys with transformation shirts on, all standing there praying, Shanda la bamba, boom, ba ba, and all these people are coming to help. They're like, what is going on here? This is just madness. There's a white staffy running around on the highway, and it, oh, it was just craziness. But I, as clear as anything, heard her say, it was like angels held him up. See, what happened is she hit me so hard that I came up and the car didn't change direction. The, re- the gravitational pull that I was pulled into, uh, effectively, my head should have been taken off by the top of the windscreen. She said it was the weirdest thing. It was like angels held him up in the air. And see, I, I'm just speaking like I know I'm probably exaggerating that a little bit. That's what I heard. But the Bible says that we don't know when we're in the presence of the angelic realm. And I want to tell you today that Jesus, in this particular picture, uh, the blueprint for the kingdom, or despite the circumstances, chose that, no, I'm going to resist the devil, I'm going to worship God, and then something supernatural took place. And you know what? Even though I haven't seen it in a particular situation that took place now, I still believe my God is a miracle-working God. And despite the circumstances, I'm still going to be loud and proud for Jesus because I know He is a God of restoration. He is a God of power. He is a God that can still heal. Maybe we don't have the questions. Maybe it's in me, but it's not His fault. There will be times that we can't see and won't understand. That's where 
our faith must be attached. I love that when I was with Kaz the other day, and I think it was the, the Wednesday, and we read the 10th, Mr. Wigglesworth is devotional. He talks about this time where he was looking for his wife, and he realized his wife is visiting someone sick. And this person had passed, and he went in there, and he started praying, praying, rise up, wake up, rise up, wake up, rise up, wake up, and his wife tugged on him. She said, you're being rude. Don't do this. Stop, Smith. Mr. Wigglesworth, whatever the case, uh, he kept praying, stop, stop. And in the words of the devotional, Smith Wigglesworth wrote, I realized there was a point that my faith was at its limits. But then in that moment, there was like a supernatural injection of the faith of heaven that came in that allowed me to keep praying. And in that context, there was a supernatural breakthrough. I just want to tell you, don't give up, don't give in, don't stay discouraged. Choose to lean back and focus on him. And I can't diagnose, I can't prophesy, I can't even declare. But when I read and what I hear and what I believe and what I've seen only in my own life, God will come through. God will come through. See, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe today, once again, despite the circumstances, someone in this room, you need to make a decision that, you know what, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I'm going to shout. Someone in this room, uh, you need to know that despite what you're feeling, praising God as you praise God, the Bible says that he inhabits the praise. The moment you just turn and start to give him glory and thanksgiving, there is an encumbrance of heaven. It comes and, and partners with what we're doing. Someone in this room, you need to hold on, press in. Someone in this room, you need to get back to church you need to keep gathering the bible says do not forsake the gathering of saints some are in the habit of doing someone in this room you need to seek fresh vision again i want to tell you 2020 can't prophesy what 2021 is going to bring for you come on we need to write it down we need to get it we need to declare it we need to start focusing on it because next year is going to be a better year than this year was are you okay just get the worship team back with me Despite the circumstances, I will. I heard uh, Mr. Stephen Furtick say the other day, and it blessed me because it reminded me, I hope you don't mind, Kaz, of Pastor Steve and even my dad and Pastor Richard. He said, we shouldn't need our four-year-olds to come and tell us that the decisions that we make to despite the circumstances is what I'm throwing in there to continue to choose him. We don't need our four-year-old to tell us, Dad, that one day, hey, you making this decision to keep fighting is, is actually gonna help cement my future. And it's actually gonna help cement our family and, and our grandbabies are gonna come into church. And, and this, you know, here's the deal. Like I, I proclaim and declare many different things as to why I am saved and transformed. Obviously, amazing program, the ability to pray in the Holy Ghost with uh, unity with God. And God obviously has placed an anointing for me to do things three beautiful kids, another baby on the way. But as I heard this and I thought about Steve and thought about my dad, you know, the reason that I think I'm here that is because when my dad at the age of six, when we moved from New Zealand and he stopped ministering in the church because of circumstances and discouragement and, and just there, there wasn't a lot of fruit happening because he was like an American guy in Australian culture and we could talk about all the things. But despite the fact that he stopped ministering church didn't mean that in his personal life, he stopped ministering to God. You see, well, there were times where I saw my dad come against persecution. I saw times where things were coming against him, trying to work two jobs when we got to America. He didn't have a college education. I'd still walk past his room. Guys, 
put your iPads down, hold your hands, we're going to pray at dinner. See, I want to tell you, just like Jacob said, the decisions that we make today, despite the circumstances, when you would say, I will, you don't know the power, the authority, and the ability, uh, the things that you're doing, not just for yourself, but for the generations to come. The Bible says, raise a child in the ways of the Lord, and he will not depart from them. Justin, you went astray. Amazing testimony, powerful reuniting with God, which then is touching generations. I know I'm speaking to someone in this room, despite the circumstances, what is it for you? I will what? As the band just pulls down the music, I want to play this song. Now I know it sounds like I'm yelling, but I'm actually just super passionate because I feel the feverency, the, the heartbeat of God on this. He doesn't want his people to back up. He doesn't want you to step back. He doesn't want you to walk in dismay and worry and insecurity. No, He wants you to be bold. He wants you to be proud. He wants you to choose to focus on Him because in that moment, you're giving Him an invitation to intercede on your behalf. As this song plays, I'm going to be honest, I've been thinking about Steve. I started on Thursday night, first time I'd ever heard this song. And my friend, Steve, Pastor Richard and some of the generals I know that have made amazing decisions which enabled us, despite the circumstances, I will worship. The song, the lyrics of the song just speak to the life of the person that I know, of Steve. And so as we do this, uh, this for some people in this room, this can be a reflective moment for you. But for other people in this room, rather than me continuing to minister and potentially like be at the risk of shouting at you, I want to ask you, would you fill in that gap? As we quiet and forget about lunch and dinner and the beach and the pool and whatever else is going on, and just as this song ministers over you, I, I want to ask you: Would you just, would you just, just relax? Maybe right now, Holy Spirit, I ask for myself and for everyone else in this room, whether it's people who have come against us and we carry that discouragement, whether we haven't seen Your hand and Your provision come through or God whether it's just an addiction we can't be whatever it is God I pray that right now that you would bring to every person in this room's mind's eye maybe that one area where we can say you know what 2021 despite the circumstances I will worship what is it God would you just minister to your people in this moment as this song plays through the stream I just would encourage you right now just ask God God would you help me if there's any area of my heart, if there's any area that I need to move forward that will bring me closer to intimacy with you, would you reveal it? Come on, guys, would you play that song?